0: Good morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing, I Sing the Mighty Power of God and the Battle Hymn of the Republic. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas of. Come command and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food. He formed the creatures with his word and then brought Or gaze upon the sky. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trembling up the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. He Glory hallelujah Glory, glory hallelujah. His truth is marching on in the beauty of the lilies. Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me as he died to make men holy. Let us die.
1: each of you in the Lord's house on this 4th of July weekend as we celebrate our liberty as a nation and of course our liberty that we have in Christ as he has set us free from our sins to be joyously renewed and uh, children of God. So we celebrate on both sides on this Sunday morning. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we do come before you, Lord, and we thank you for the country that we live in where we were born or have arrived, where we're able to come to worship you freely without fear of persecution. I pray that you would be with our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who don't have the same freedom. They don't have the same privilege. And I pray that you help us as Christians to be grateful, to be patriotic, to support in prayer our nation and our nation's leaders. Lord, we just ask that you'd guide and direct during this worship hour help us to exalt you and draw nearer to you in Christ's name we pray amen please be seated you are stronger
2: are strong. are strong.
0: from sea to shining sea, how great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb, in desperation I turned to heaven, and Jesus Christ, my living hope, who could imagine so great a mercy, what heart could fathom such boundless grace? spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your parents.
1: States of America. We celebrate the liberty that we have as Christians. And yet, sometimes when we look around our country, we're perplexed by those who are exceedingly discouraged or unhappy or discontent with the country they live in. In fact, I was reading this last week that uh, according to current polls, uh, the average population across our country is more discontent with the United States in the direction that it's going than has been in many, many decades. And so as I thought about that, I thought to myself, well, I think sometimes that's because we lose sight of the fact that really it's not in men's hands, it's in God's hands that we look to and follow and pray for His blessing upon the United States of America. It's why... We have the saying, God bless America. You know, we as a people, historically, have looked to the Lord, all the way back to our founders. So I wanted this morning to kind of address discontent. Because maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, Well, I'm not I'm not proud to be an American, and you and you say this reason or this reason or that reason. It can be from the far left or the far right or anywhere between that people pick and choose what they're unhappy about. It's kind of like a family with a lot of kids. You know, you see the kids grow up and you kind of look at it and you think they all grew up in the same exact house. But when you talk to them, they all have their different perspectives of how they were raised. You know, the youngest one, the oldest one is saying, yeah, that youngest one was so spoiled. They could do, he could do anything. We couldn't do anything at all. You know, they have two different perspectives. Well, it's the same way with our country, isn't it? There are those who, when we put up something like this that shows the quotes of our founding fathers, We applaud, we're moved, we're stirred by their faith and the direction they took our country. But I have read just the opposite of other people who look at those things and they say that we are distorting and misapplying and misusing those quotes, which I think we're using them exactly the way they were written and said. But it is perspective, isn't it? I'm gonna take you to a text in your Bible, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. And this is right after the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we get a little glimpse of some of the apostles hours after they have discovered that Jesus Christ has resurrected. And what we actually find During the most triumphant time of all Christendom, and yes, probably all the earth, we find a little bit of a pity party going on here. It's kind of like Americans who live in this free country where we're so blessed and we are so fortunate for us to sit around and bemoan and and gripe and complain about how blessed we are. Well, we find these apostles, these gentlemen walking along the road and they're sad and they're dejected and they're upset. We're going to look at them. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24 and I'm going to read on down. It says, and behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. This is the very day of the resurrection. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden or hidden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? So Jesus kind of saunters up beside these guys who are walking on the road to Emmaus and listens to them chatting. They can't see that it's Christ because God has kind of made it so they don't recognize him. And as they walk along, he says, hey, what, what's all this you're talking about? That you're so sad. Now, these folks, as we're going to see in the text, they know that Jesus resurrected. So Christ is saying to them, what's going on? Well, let's read down a little bit farther. And the one of them in verse 18, whose name was Cleopas answering said unto him, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew near unto the village which they had went to, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, and broke it, and blessed it, and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. This is an amazing account that we look at here because it is so typical of humanity. Here are these individuals, as we look back in time, Easter Sunday is the highest day of celebration for Christendom because it represents Christ's victory over death. And our victory in Christ For eternal life. We celebrate Easter. We prepare ahead. We have special singing. It is a great day. Now these guys are living Easter. And what's their attitude? They're sad. They're complaining. They're whining. It's a pity party on the way to Emmaus. You know A lot of the world looks at you and I as Americans, and they are baffled by America. Because Americans whine and gripe and complain about the country they live in, and much of the world would risk their lives to live here. Sometimes we kind of parallel these kind of verses, don't we? We can see ourselves in what's transpiring. So let's look at it a little bit. Spiritual despair, and that's really what this is. This is spiritual. This is a spiritual problem. How do I know that? Because of the response that Jesus Christ had towards it. He hit them right between the eyes. And he told them, he says, listen, you guys, you are slow. You've learned and been taught all these biblical truths about the Messiah, the Christ, that he should have gone ahead and suffered and died and been buried and resurrected. But you still don't see it, recognize it, or embrace it. So we see that spiritual despair, and again, this is this kind of discontent, sorrow, whining, complaining, is a spiritual problem. Many walk through life in sadness and despair, and they don't realize their real root problem is a spiritual problem. Look again with me as you come down to verse 15. It says, And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near. And sometimes this is what happens to us, is we go ahead and misery seeks misery, doesn't it? That's what's happening on the road to Emmaus that day. These two have gathered together, they found folks of like mind, and they're gonna gripe and complain. We see that happen in America, don't we? We see people gather together of like mind, like disposition, like perspective, and they've got a problem with this, and this, and this, and this. And they're gonna complain, maybe they're gonna burn things down, I don't know. They're gonna exert their freedom in complaining about their freedom. Because sometimes misery likes company, doesn't it? Have you ever seen that? You know, folks will get together and they just want to sit and gripe. And if somebody dares to interject and say, well, I don't think it's that bad. What are you talking about? It's bad. That's what's happening here. So these two guys are walking along. Jesus comes up along beside them. They are focused on misery. They talk together of all these things which had happened, according to verse 14. So they may have talked about all these things, but somehow they hadn't focused on the resurrection part because they are sad. They are unhappy. Verse 16 tells us, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And I think sometimes our eyes become clouded and heavy, and we don't see the blessings around us. Now, don't get me wrong. Life is full of struggle, isn't it? These folks have just experienced an exceedingly traumatic and devastating experience. Their Christ, who they were hoping was gonna rise up an army to overthrow the Romans and to usher in the millennial, the the living Christ upon the earth, That had just not happened. Instead, God's plan happened. And he died on the cross for your sins, my sins, their sins, was buried, three days, resurrected. It wasn't their plan, but it was God's plan. But sometimes our eyes are very heavy and we don't see, and we're unwilling to see God's plan at work. That's exactly what's happened to these individuals. It's interesting that Christ says to them, what manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? You know, the Lord really does recognize when we are in the midst of a pity party. He takes note. I'm sure he looks down from heaven and says, wow, have you missed all the blessings? Can you only see the spots? It's kind of like me when I get ready to come to church to do Sunday morning, I always get out my shoes and, you know, I, I take it and I wipe them off and I clean them off. And I'm looking for all those little specks. You know, in the wintertime, I got that salt on my shoes. Don't you hate that? Most of the ladies, the guys don't care. But, you know, I come to church and want my shoes to look good. But I'm focused not on the overall. I'm focused on the little. You'll probably never notice the little salt spots the little gravel spots, the little dust spots, but I clean them off. Then I come, I walk across the gravel parking lot, and then I don't even look again. (laughs) But what if I stayed focused on that all morning? What if every time, as soon as I came up on the platform, I was sitting here, you think to yourself, what's wrong with that preacher? (laughs) Surely he's got better things to focus on than that little speck on his shoe. We see these folks here. Christ comes up, he says, what's going on? Why are you talking about this? Why are you sad? Did Jesus not just experience the worst of the worst of it? Was he not there? Did he not know every detail? He did. But he he wanted them to understand. He wanted to bring it forth, for them to do a little introspection, to understand that they were focused on the wrong things. Yes, spiritual despair can lurk anywhere. You and I can focus on everything negative anytime, whether it be our country, Our schools, our spouse, our parents, our kids, our church. We can find a speck, a spot, anywhere. And if we fixate on the worst, we can never enjoy the best. As we come down through our text, you look in verse 32, and you find that Jesus' talk is going to alter their balk. The word balk being an old word of them balking back away from the blessings, but instead embracing the sadness. You're going to find that Christ's encounter with them is going to change their perspective. Look down with me at verse 32. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures, that's such an insightful thing for them to say. Because Christ has just disappeared. Remember, he sat down, he was visiting with them, he was eating with them, he broke the bread, their eyes were opened in verse 31, and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And they looked at each other and said, didn't our, weren't our hearts stirred when he talked to us on the way? And didn't our hearts stir when he shared the scriptures with us? So it's so insightful that God was stirring their heart, and yet they were still not recognizing Christ. God was stirring their heart, And they still had not changed from sad to glad. See, sometimes we don't listen when God stirs our heart. For whatever reason, we kind of, we push it off. We cover it over. We callous it. And that's exactly what these disciples had done. Jesus is walking with them. He's talking to them about all the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, the Christ, he himself. And their hearts are stirred. But it doesn't change their attitude. He comes and he abides with them and and continues to teach them the principles of scripture and the power of God and the death, burial, and resurrection of the gospel. They still are not moved. The only thing that moved them Well, bink, he disappeared. And they, wow. Sometimes God has to hit us aside the head, doesn't he? Now, Jesus could have got up and walked out the door and they would have just gone back to their pity party. Boy, I'll tell you, that guy kind of interrupted our conversation, didn't he? Who do you think he was anyways? We're just two people walking down the road, butted right into our business. But when you're sitting at the table and somebody just goes, "blink," it really gets your attention. And that's exactly what happened with them. They said, wow, that was Jesus. You and I in our lives, yes, there are things to complain about. Yes, there are things that are discouraging, depressing, stupid. They bring struggles to our lives, even to our community, our church, our country. But when that is our total focus, when God can't even stir our heart, when it's only by means of a stark, in your face event that finally we look and say, That's God at work in my life, then we are in the midst of a pity party that needs to be corrected. That's all Jesus is doing here. He's just doing an attitude adjustment on these two disciples. I need one regularly, but it's usually Sandra Joe who sets me straight. <laughs> but each of us in our lives, there are those times if we're not careful, we are so fixated on the bad that we can never see the good. Christ's talk changed their whole perspective. Their hearts had grown cold enough that even when they were stirred, they were not moved. But when Christ revealed himself through that simple disappearance, all of a sudden, their whole perspective changed. Let's look at some things as to what it is that changed their perspective. So Christ's presence, you and I, we need to be sure that we are sensitive to the presence of Christ when you look back there at verse 25 look at what what it says then he said unto them O fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken you and I have to make a decision individually, personally we need to not be so foolish if we are if we're constantly listening to the negative we become negative don't we If you and your girlfriends get together, ladies, and all you do is talk about how bad your husbands are, by the time you're done, you think you've got the worst husband on earth. Same thing with the guys. If all you do is sit around and talk about how how bad you have it, how bad your job is, how demanding your wife is, how long the honey-do list is, if that's all you do every day, before long, you can't even recognize how good you have it. Do you know what it often is the big eye-opener in marriages? When the other one says, I'm all done. When that person looks at them and says, I'm done, then all of a sudden their eyes open up. And they say, wait, what? No, you want to not be so foolish. You want to not wait so long. You need to be sensitive to what's going on around you so that you're aware. So here we find Christ looks right at them. He says, you are fools. Don't you know? Don't you know? And in each of our lives, I'm not telling you that America is flawless, perfect. It's not. It's made up of people. And you and I are not flawless, perfect. Maybe a newlywed would be flawless and perfect, but even that doesn't take long and the shine wears off. The reality is we are all a work in progress. Our country is a work in progress. But we need to not be so foolish as to throw the baby out with the bathwater, as the old saying goes. We need to learn to be thankful and grateful and to recognize what we have. And certainly we see that with these disciples. Because they stop and do an attitude adjustment and recognize all that was said. Pick it back up with me in verse 32. They said one to another. Did not our heart burn within us while we talked with him by the way and while he opened the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Now the amazing thing about this is they go back, because remember they were leaving Jerusalem, going to Emmaus. They go back to tell the others what the others already know. They simply go back to confirm what always was. You see, when they went to Emmaus, Nothing changed except their attitude, their perspective, their disposition, how they were perceiving life. They were perceiving it all from the horrible events that took place and they were not thinking anything about Christ lives. He's resurrected. He's alive. He has conquered death. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. That was not their focus. They're instead focused on, yeah, the political leaders of our day, they went ahead and had him arrested. The religious leaders of our day had him arrested, beaten, and executed. They're focused on all of that. And I'm, and I'm not taking anything away from it. It was horrible. But the victory far outweighed the suffering. That's why Christ was willing to do it. He wanted for you and I to have eternal life. So he paid for it on the cross for us. You and I in our lives. We celebrate 4th of July as this time of celebrating liberty. Our nation, a free country. Is it as free as we would like it to be? No, they've taken away a lot of our freedoms and legislated all kinds of stuff. Is it it as God-fearing as it once was? No, I don't think so. Can God turn it around? Absolutely. We just saw, you know, we as a church, we as believers, we have prayed for years and years for the protection of Babies in the womb, because we value life, all life, even in the womb life. And there were lots of people, ah, that's never going to happen. Who would have thought? We saw Roe versus Wade reversed by the the Supreme Court. Well, you know what? We have no idea what is the plan of God. And we have no idea when he is going to do this or do that. It is our responsibility to celebrate him, to worship him, to to follow him. These folks here, good people, they knew and loved God. They loved Jesus. They had just gotten focused on the wrong things. And you and I in our lives, good godly people, People who want to know and love the Lord, they want to rejoice. You and I want to rejoice. But if we're not careful, we can get sucked into this pity party. There's nothing good in this world. And before you long, before long, we are that sourpussed, grumpy old person. And I don't want to be that person. I want to rejoice in the Lord. I want to embrace the good things of life. I want to embrace the good things of our country. Are there things I'd love to change? Absolutely. Make me president for a day. No, I am kidding. Of course, there's, there are good and bad things. But if all we ever do is walk on our way to Emmaus and gripe and complain, God sees nothing but a bunch of sad Christians. Sad sacks, as they used to say in World War II. You and I, we are the children of God, and we have all to rejoice in. Yes, we need to do our best to be a positive influence in a devilish world. But we must never stop listening to the stirring of the spirit within us and rejoicing in the blessings that we have. Let's bow our heads as we come to the end of our service. And as your head is bowed and as you look in your heart, I ask you, on your journey of life, Have you taken a moment to celebrate that Jesus Christ lives? Yes, he died on the cross for your sins, for my sins. Buried, but resurrected. And he offers to you eternal life. If you will but turn from your sins and receive him as your savior. Christian. What's your focus on? Is everything bad? No. Let's this morning, as Christians, look to Christ. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us. Help us to be a people who recognize the good things you have given us. Not to be so foolish that we ignore the bad. But help us to not be so foolish that we fixate on the bad. Lord, we thank you for your blessings to us. We thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. The gospel itself. We thank you for the nation we live in where I can freely preach. And we can freely worship. Lord, God bless America. We would so love to see a revival sweep from coast to coast, from border to border. Help us to do our part for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so very, very much for coming and being in God's house. I am sincere that I hope next Sunday you come and plan to stay for lunch. Um, it, we need the fellowship. We need Christian fellowship. It's really a part of Christian maturity and growth. So plan to stay. Um, you can stay all day or just 30 minutes in an hour. It's okay. Just stay. Plan on. Let's have a word of prayer. Then Brother John is going to do a closing verse for us. Father, as we go forth, Lord, I pray that we would go forth, not as sad sacks on our road to Emmaus, but instead, Lord, rejoicing. For your blessings are many, and your hand is often revealed to us in incredible and marvelous ways. We rejoice in you. Help us, Lord, through the battles and the struggles, but more than that, help us to never take our eyes off of you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Lift high the name of Jesus, of Jesus our King. May known the power of his grace, the beauty of his peace. Remember how His mercy reached and we cried out to Him. He lifted us to solid ground to freedom from our sin. Oh, sing my soul and tell all He's done till the earth and heavens are filled with His glory. Amen. We're dismissed this morning.